With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Hello, welcome to another episode of the Touchy Gunas um, podcast. It's your boy Dan Coogs on hosting duties. Um, today, I'm also joined by Shabs and Dr. Leroy. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I'm hot, but I'm all good, man. Yeah, that's Leroy suffering from um, hay fever. That's the karma somehow. The universe works in, in weird ways. Man's been out here all summer, all year, saving us from COVID and then... Uh, uh, when 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 it starts to to ease up, he's getting pammed by by hay fever, man. I feel. I can't so lie. There was one time, one point, I looked up. I thought, is this because of the Pepe slander? Like, is like the point of the universe punishing me or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred hundred, man. You need to buy stocks in Pepe, and then and then hay fever will go away. I'm sure. I'm sure um, I just shorted him, so yeah. I'm, you're gonna... <laughs> and uh, yeah, very pleased to announce we've got a, a special guest with us today. Um, a good friend of the podcast, man. Always great to. Have him on, he's spilling some good insights, good tactical um, knowledge there from, uh, I don't know whether that's based off his FM save or just his real life experiences as well, but um, Art De Roche from The Athletic, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, great to be back on again. Uh, I think this is my third time now. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep counting it. I'll keep saying which, which number of appearance is for the next one. But yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a good good night. <laughs> Can I yeah, just we'll say we've got a hat trick ball for you, Art, but we we just can't <laughs> give it to you. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a hat trick ball for you. Don't worry, we got you. Yeah, I just want to say for the listeners, yeah, because um, if you're not familiar with his work, go check it out. Because I know a lot of people in our community are very very frustrated with some of the questions that people ask. Um, and I even said it a little bit before the pod, but I need the listeners to know this guy asked the proper questions. It makes me so happy, like the actual tactical questions that we want to know the answers to. So it feels like it's one of us representing. So um, obviously, go follow his work, go follow him, and uh, big up art, man. Thank you. Yeah, big, big up, big up art, man. Comments there saying Darush has more apps than than Balogun. You know, we're gonna get you up to hundred caps soon. Soon come, soon come. <laughs> um, so how's everyone enjoying the Euros so far, man? Now, Italy are looking looking kind of strong. Um, just dispatched Switzerland 3-0. That looked like light work um, for them. How are you guys finding the tournament so far? 
I've actually enjoyed it, you know. Um, I've actually enjoyed it. You know, we all, all the things about international football and sometimes it feels like it's just filling in the time and space. But actually, um, the tournament so far has brought us some good games, some good performances, some good team games. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm, it's needed at this time. Yeah, 100, man. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it myself. And um, just remember and to everyone listening uh, or watching on, on YouTube, um, go download the, the FanSlide app because that definitely makes the experience much better. Um, there's money to be won. Um, I think tomorrow's games uh, looking kind of one-sided, um, almost, you know, Ukraine versus North Macedonia, Denmark versus Belgium, and then Netherlands versus Austria. So if you get the right picks... Um, on this in-play fantasy football app, um, you can be in for some, some good prizes, some good prizes. I've not been doing too well myself, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on tomorrow being a big winner for me. Um, so make sure you sign up to that. And I think the Touchline uh, Fracas League will be in the description of the YouTube um, once uh, once the episode is officially, officially out. Um, but, you know, enough international football um, let's talk Arsenal. And today was it was a big it was a big day for Arsenal news. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it started. Um, I don't know uh, who was behind it. But it seemed within the space of you know two or three hours, everyone had Arsenal news. You know, it started in the morning with some talk about number ten, some talk about uh, James Madison, um, and then it continued on and on. Uh, to Villa bidding for our academy talent and this, that and the other. So we're going to get into all of that and just di digest it and get your thoughts on it, Art. But let's, I think there's probably a bit more meat to talk about the incoming, so I'll save that um, for, for later. So let's talk about um, the outgoings, right? So there's news that Granit Xhaka is very close to um, a move to Roma. Um, and for me, I think Granit Xhaka has been a big, big personality Um in uh, in our midfield for all the years that he's been here, um, whether or not you think he's been good, whether or not you think he's been bad, um, but what do you think it finally means for the club that we're you know I guess closing closing the book on um, on that chapter uh, of Granite Jacker up? Yes, uh, five years almost as <laughs> as you say the years it kind of seems like it's been a much shorter time than that, even though. It is half a decade that there has been so much that's gone on in that time as well. I think the the main thing that I uh, kind of see from from that time is that he's been a player that has almost summed up our, the modern Arsenal. In that he's not he's not your perfect midfielder. He's not uh, outstanding every week. Uh, but he's not useless. <laughs> and I think in that, we've seen that um, every manager from Arsene Wenger, Unai Emery, Freddie Jungberg and Mikel Arteta have all put trust in him. I think that that's where the intangibles come into play and he's been relied upon for, for reasons more than his football and ability. But then uh, I think we've probably been able to understand his role in that midfield a bit more since uh, Mikel Arteta's come in, because I, I believe that the um, the vision Mikel Arteta had for him was much clearer uh, than previous managers in terms of just how to utilise him. 
obviously I think I've sp- I've probably written about it so many times, but him dropping between that left back and centre back uh, area and just kind of being that quarterback on that side of the pitch, that's been something that has been basically a nailed on role for him under Mikel Arteta. Um, and I think uh, in that you do lose a bit of instinctive nature in the midfield because it becomes very functional. And if he is to uh, to leave Arsenal after five years, uh, I do think, uh, especially with, I'm sure we'll get onto it later, but with the the um, midfielders that are currently linked to Arsenal, it looks like uh, a, a move into a more dynamic midfield, which I think is a logical uh, decision. Mm. For sure, for sure. And then... Um... Leroy, anything that you want to add to that? And then um, on top of that, what do you think that this can mean, you know, for our midfield going forward? Um, or, or what would you like to see for our midfield going forward? Boy, Shaka leaving. I'm free. Praise the Lord, I'm free. No. <laughs> no, but to be honest, I'm there, but I'm... I'm really looking forward to moving to and transitioning to a different type of midfield. Um, I feel like the Premier League has moved on and we've been stagnating. Um, I just want dynamism. I mean, that's why I keep flipping out on the account about these Ruben Neves links and all that type of stuff. So excuse me on the account if you're seeing my emotional responses. But I really want people who can move, who are press resistant, who are not going to get caught out because you're pressing them on the wrong side. I want rounded midfielders. So, um, yeah, I would love to see a different profile of midfielder in the team. Now, I'm not sure that that's what we're we're getting because the links are confusing me. And the reason the links are confusing me um, is because I'm not really sure I can see Arsenal's clear strategy because one minute we're linked to Nevers, the next minute we're linked to Locatelli, the next minute we're linked to Basuma, the next minute we're linked to Lokonga. They're all completely different types of midfielder. And I'm thinking, okay, what, what, what's your plan here? I understand it's important to have layers and have wrinkles to your midfield and have lots of different types of profiles involved. But I'm still trying to work out the plan here. So everyone knows what I want. I've been, I've been very vocal. I, I want someone who's mobile, someone who's tough, someone who's athletic, especially if we're going to be playing a two in there, often against a three, because that number 10 can be redundant in the midfield battle. But um, I really, really um, am a bit confused by by what Arsenal are putting out in terms of the rumours. So I'm just waiting to hopefully see, um, wake up one morning and see Arsenal sign at East Basuma, um, then I'll be very, very happy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Basuma myself. Um, I think he's a big fan of Arsenal, you know, the way that he's been moving on um, Instagram and everything. So um, that's definitely one, um, one to watch. And so then... Shabs, um, I'll leave Xhaka alone for um, a little bit. Um, now move on to uh, Hector Bellerin. So reports are saying that you know him and his agents were at the offices of um, Villarreal um, today, and that they were you know monitoring some of the certain offers that they've received um, for Spain. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with you here um, with the same question I asked um, Art. So like. You know, how how do we think that defence might look um, without someone like Bellerin there? Because I think he, um, again, has been a massive personality at the club. You know, he's probably the one that has been the de facto behind-the-scenes captain when it comes to any sort of, 
you know, public speaking arrangements. You hear that Bellerin's the one representing Arsenal and sort of these, um, you know, these Premier League captains meetings and that kind of thing. Um, and then also, you know, he's he's quite the outspoken character generally, just, you know, what he's done with the environment, uh, you know, speaking at Oxford University against AFTV and those kind of things. Um, and he's been here, I think he's our longest serving player as well. So he's been here close to, I think, nine years or eight, eight, nine years, nine seasons. So, you know, um, that will be a big change, I think, um, Chavs. Yeah, I've, you know, we can't be ignorant and concentrate solely on our opinion of um, the player, the on-field player that he is now, currently. You know, I think we we, we have to consider all parts and, you know, we'd be ignorant to say or suggest that there'll be no impact or minimal impact on losing a player like Bellerin, especially behind the scenes, especially lately, probably more so behind the scenes than actually on the pitch because... Um, I'd, I'd say that the, the last two seasons, um, you know, maybe two and a half seasons, he's moved away from being a bona fide and, and, and regular starter for me, from the way that I see it. And some of that is because of injury. Lately, he seems to have fallen out of form. Um, you know, Arteta's had a bit of a different preference there for, for me. That's the way that I see it. So I think there's going to be an impact, definitely. Um, you know, I think, yeah, players will miss him. Um Definitely sections of the fans will miss him. There is something about him being our, our longer serving player. Uh, credit to him because, you know, he's still relatively young. He, that means that he's able to break into our side at an extremely young age, um, you know, but it's time. I think players have cycles at clubs and it's definitely the end of the cycle, the way that I see it for that particular right back. Um, for me, it depends on whether... Him not necessarily being, or he, or me seeing it as him falling out of favour with um, Arteta falling out of favour with him. Sorry, if he goes, does it mean that Arteta sees the need to bring in a replacement? Because I feel like we need a fullback. Um, I'm not sure about Cedric and uh, Chambers being the, the the solution there to carry us through or to get us to where we need to be. I'm not entirely convinced on on either of them. So. If he goes, do we look to bring in someone else or are we saying he can go but we're not necessarily going to um, bring someone else in and we're just going to settle and bank on what we have already and just kind of get through it that way. Um, and so I'm kind of, you know, I, would, I wouldn't be happy in that type of situation. I wouldn't be happy in that scenario at all. I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. I'm hoping some links um, emerge. You know, we've been linked with right-backs coming like ahead of the window. We've been linked with different right backs. Lamptey links have been there for some time. Don't know about the weight behind that. Um, you know, uh, we've spoken about different players. Max Aaron's. We've had lots of back and forth about Max Aaron's. Whether you know we should sign him or not. People, you know, Tachi Gunas are divided on loads of players. Actually, um, yeah, there's different names that have been bandied about. So I don't know. But if if Bellerin goes, I'd hope that we go out and sign a starting. Um, replacement for him of good quality, you know, and I don't think that's too difficult to do either. Do you do you think we're going to get rid of Bellerin though? Because I've got massive concerns because um, he earns about 130 racks a week, um, and he's clearly fallen off the radar of the type of clubs that can afford him. Like a lot of them, I don't feel are interested in Bellerin. So unless he's going to take a massive wage cut, because the type of clubs he's linked with are Villarreal, Real Betis, 
them types of clubs, they ain't paying 130 grand uh, a week for a fullback. So, and I feel like Arsenal's a club, the kind of indication I'm getting is they want a, quite a big fee or at least a reasonable fee for Bellerin. So paying a reasonable fee in that type of wages, I, I feel like it's going to be a real struggle to sell him. I can't lie to you. Yeah, I think it's a good point because when you look at the clubs that were in for him last summer, so PSG was the most notable one. I think if you're looking at Hector Bellerin's uh, cycle, as Shab said, that was probably the moment where a decision should have been made. It's obviously going to be much more difficult this summer to move a player like him on because because of the finances that are involved in that deal. And I think that um, with that being said, also, uh, I know we touched on his impact behind the scenes, but you have to remember if he goes, Granit Xhaka goes, and David Luiz is already confirmed to be leaving, that's a big core of that leadership group that is going. So who's going to step up to replace those guys? I think Kieran Tierney's probably the <laughs> obvious guy to mention in that in that discussion. Uh, Alex Lacazette as well. Um, but then when you're recruiting, you have also have to think of uh, players that can fill that void as well because it is a big one. And I know <laughs> people will be like uh, thinking we don't really care about what goes on behind the scenes. We only care about what happens on the pitch, but managers, recruitment um, staff aren't going to be thinking that way. So it's almost illogical to just think about what's happening on on the football pitch and that only. Um, With Bellerin in particular, uh, I can't say at the minute whether he'd 100% leave or not, but I think for his career as well, it, it, it would make sense if he chose to, to move on because I I don't think that um, he deserved to be the starting right back at Arsenal for the second half of last season anyway. Um, although that could change. We know how quickly things can change in football. Uh, Arsenal now have four players who can play at right back and none of them seem to have taken that spot like fully and commanded it as their own there's him so Bellerin uh Cedric Cam Chambers and AZ Maitland-Niles I think that Maitland-Niles can do that role especially well considering how Arteta views that role but again that is on Maitland-Niles making a decision on how he sees his career going forward Chambers although he performed very well at right back, I think I see him more as a centre back, a uh, ball playing centre back. Um, and then Cedric is one where I think he's a solid squad squad right back. Um, I know people see me give him a lot of love on Twitter because because uh, he shares a certain name from a movie series that that we won't get into at the minute. But uh, yeah, I don't think that uh, he would be the one to be starting at right back for Arsenal on a long-term basis. Uh, And for that, I would say that if Bellerin does leave, that does make right back a priority among many priorities. Uh, And with that, I don't don't really think that it would be... um, What's the word? (laughs) I I don't think it would be a massive uh, miss if Arsenal don't 
bring in a replacement straight away at right back though, because we've got to remember that there's no European football. And with the amount of players that can play there at the minute, I think that should be enough to see them through in that position until January, January at least. Mm. Yeah, fair, fair points, fair points. Um, um, and I think just to close it out on, on Bellerin, I do think there is an upgrade opportunity there um, in that right back position. I think the fact that Callum Chambers was able to play, you know, reasonably well uh, there for the second half of the season. I think he had um, a number of like very good performances um, at right back, but then, you know, some also subpar ones. But the fact that he was, I think, pretty much banished from being a right back because of, you know, the emergence of Bellerin all those years back. Um, and obviously we signed Dabuchi as well. Um, and now Chambers has been able to, you know, force his, his way back into that right back spot at Bellerin's expense, probably says that it's the end of the road for um, someone like Hector Bellerin. And I don't know if Callum Chambers has actually improved all that much as a right back since those um, late younger years. So um, I do think that there is a big, big upgrade opportunity, especially when you see the way that fullbacks are so important to the way teams attack and all this, that and the other. So um, if Bellerin does go, I would be surprised if we don't sign um, a right back. But um, hopefully, um, you know, that, that big wage that he's on um, could maybe be negotiated down or Arsenal accept um, a lower fee to, to see that to see that happen. So um, I'll move on to um, another player uh, who I guess has, is, is people have a lot of fans have mixed opinions on um, in Matteo Guendouzi. Um, I think some people appreciate his football talent, um, others not so much. But then um, it appears that he's had a lot of off the field issues with various managers, technical directors, um, owners, teammates, opposition players, um, and the like, right? So he's been linked with a move to Marseille. Um, and then today, I think there was reports that Dortmund were taking looks at him um, as well. So do we just all agree that this is a move that probably needs to happen um, for the best of um, the club and the player's career as well? Um, Shabs? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I like him. I, I really like him. I'm a great Doozy fan. It, it, there's been something about it. I, I think, like, um, I've always liked his bravery. And I just think, like, you know, in the... He's not a player who I expected anything from when we signed him. Um, so to come into the side in the way that he did, and when you're looking at players of bigger stature, bigger reputations than him, um, just constantly hiding in the midfield. I think, yeah, he made mistakes, but he never hid. He was brave. He was positive, largely positive in the way he tried to play the game. And I think we miss, we still do miss those profiles in midfield. Um, so I always thought there was something that he had to um, offer us. I think under the Stel um, Emery tenure, I think, um, you know, a lot of positive things came, came from him. And I, I did actually like the way that he helped us to... Um, progress play and I think with him um, out of the side especially in the first part of last season where we really struggled um, to get the ball into the final third and create chances and that I think like you know he, he, he was not the sole reason behind that but I think yeah, he, he was also a part of that a player like him was missing um, 
but yeah, there's attitude problems. Um, Arteta doesn't seem to be the easiest, um, you know, uh, coach to get on with. He's got his non-negotiables, and um, Guendouzi strikes me as a type of personality that you know he 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 you know he's not going to negotiate either. So he's kind of going to do his thing, and you kind of have to allow him to kind of be the player, the personality that he needs to be. Um, but yeah, I think there's a player in there. Um, I think we should sell him. I'm a bit disappointed that the, the I think under better circumstances we could and should be commanding a greater fee for him than um, you know than, than what's being reported that he could go for. Um, but yeah, man, like let him move on. Like I'm not I'm I, me saying I like him. I'm not married to him or the idea of him staying. I think there are better players that come in. Um, you know, I think if we bring in Lokonga. Um, for example, I think Lokonga does the things that I've just described that I liked about um, Gwendouzi and probably offers a bit more as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm not like, you know, I think I, I think that, that there's so many types like him. Um, you know, why should we be stuck on him or held ransom? He's not going to um, re renew. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to offer him a new contract. He's not going to stay on or anything like that. Sell him, you know. Um, let him go back to France. He's just had a new baby. You know, he looks happy with his wife. Like, let him just do his thing. Like, go in the south of France, enjoy some football, some good weather. You know, brush out that long hair of his. Let him just do his thing, man. Um, yeah, that's that, that, those are my thoughts on Wendy to be fair. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, fair play. Um, uh, Leroy, anything that you want to add to that? Um, not much. Um, I, I'm also a fan of Gendouzi. I think he's a good player. Um, I feel a lot of our ops, shout out Mariah and all, man, um, always get on to him. But um, I feel like he's got talent and it's not just his bravery, um, which also get, often gets put down to. I feel like he's got fantastic pass quality. He reads the game well from an, att an attacking perspective um, as a deep midfielder. Um, I just feel like, yeah, he's got, he's, he's, he's petulant. He's got he's got some big issues in his game in terms of the positions he takes up and his lack of responsibility defensively, which he's got to iron out. But I expect him to go on and when he's in his mid to late mid or mid twenties, moving to twenty twenty seven, I think he'll be a top player. And um, provided obviously he gets a coach that suits him, he's not arguing with people, he he grows up a bit. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's come to the point where it's probably untenable if he's arguing with so many coaches. So we need to sell him. And in the same way, Shab said, it's a, it's a bit of a shame we're going to be getting such a small fee for a talent because we—that's the real, really the type of person we should be making a flip on. Um, but it is what it is. Um, we just have to sort of say goodbye. Um, uh, we've got an extra option of a year, so hopefully we can sell him for a decent fee this year. If not, I would um, extend that option, learn him out again. Hopefully, he does well, and then sell him next year. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Um, another guy linked with a move to Marseille um, today in Le Keep um, was uh, William Saliba. Um, so this, I'll use this as a segue um, from outgoings to potential incomings, right? Because let's view this 
under one lens, right? So um, we all know the Saliba situation. We don't need to rehash it, right? But all of the, I guess, reputable British um, journalists are saying that Saliba is coming back to um, to play uh, and, and, and fight for his place um, in the Arsenal team. Uh, Saliba himself wants to come back and play um, for Arsenal uh, next season. Um, but uh, Arsenal are being linked to centre-backs that play in his position um, and have been for the past few months. Um, I think as early as um, February, uh, David Ornstein, your colleague, uh, reported that right centre-back was um, a priority for Arsenal uh, this this summer. Um, we've been linked to Tap Soba. Um, we've been linked to... Um, who's the other one? Um, there was another young... Uh, uh, Koundé, Jules Koundé, we've been linked to. Um, and then uh, today we're hearing reports of a £40 million bid for Ben White. Um rejected you know um so if we're viewing it together how are as arsenal fans how do we process um this hunt for a right-sided centre-back when you know there's saliba at home <laughs> rice at home <laughs> but uh, i i what i've heard as well you won't be surprised is what the other british media has heard in terms of Saliba coming back to Arsenal to to fight for a place in the first team next season. And uh, personally, I don't see why that would change, especially with how uh, Mikel Arteta spoke about uh, the need for a transition period for him. And now that he's got that at Nice, where he performed very well <laughs> in Liga, uh, he uh, was a standout centre-back for them. And almost maybe saved their season is the wrong word to use, but he was a massive influence on that defence. And I think when you, when you look at that performance, if you, if you're Arsenal, you have to give him a chance. You, you probably had to give him that chance earlier last season at, at Arsenal. Um, but I would see it being very strange to, to opt to, to loan someone like him out again especially when you consider i'm not sure when it, it was announced but we're coming up on two years since he signed for arsenal and he hasn't made a first team appearance yet um and also i, I would say that it's first week of the transfer window being open i think there's going to be a lot of noise um that's going to be happening over the past uh over the next couple of months um but yeah, I I see him be, being an Arsenal centre back next year, and with the 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 um, links and bids for other right sided centre backs, it, it does strike me as quite strange, just from a personal point of view. Rather like speaking as someone who follows Arsenal, um, that doesn't seem like it should be the priority. I know uh, I'm not sure if you guys know, but that my my views the uh, creative midfielder is should be the priority. Of course, it was as Martin Odegaard was the number one priority. Obviously, that's taken a bit of a hit now, um, but um, I, I do think that uh, it does strike me as a bit strange the Saliba situation. Do you know what? 
I'm just looking at the comments and whoever's on the Touchline media account is a proper op, you know? Like, <laughs> say that onto us, like, but um, when I, I tell you about my day, so I was at work, I was actually quite happy at work, I had a pretty good day. And then I opened my phone and I see 780 messages in the Touchy Gunas group chat. I'm thinking, wow, these men are unemployed, you know? They're very active. Right, okay, cool. I opened the chat. My heart sunk. I thought, nah, these lot can't be serious. I'm seeing 40 million for Ben White. So I thought it was a troll. And I went to his man, oh, shut up, man. You're chatting rubbish. Why, why would you come and do that and laugh at me? Then I go on Twitter. I see this is actually a bid. I thought it was a joke, but I could not believe that this club are bidding 40 million pounds for Ben White. Now, Ben White, I haven't seen loads of him, but he might be a good talent. All I'm seeing is Brighton fans say he's their third best centre-back this season. Third best centre-back. That's not like, you heard me, third best centre-back. So only us would be, would be spending 40 plus million on their third best centre-back. The second thing is this Saliba situation stinks to me. It absolutely stinks. And it stinks of something personal. Maybe the messages on Instagram between him and Ganduzi meant something more than we thought they meant. Because I've watched this guy at um, St Etienne literally boss League One as an 18-year-old. Boss it. As an 18-year-old, right? He wasn't the leader in that team because he was getting help from the professionals. And you could see that in the communication. I see him come to Arsenal after, what, seven months with not playing football? play one um, pre-season game, we're told he's not ready, not touch pitch again. Don't even, not even get in the squad. Weird, okay, bit odd. I watched this guy go and I watched, I watched him play at Nice. And I watched his first, I think I watched the first 12 games at Nice, 90 minutes. First game, he was a little bit shaky, probably trying too hard. Then this guy bossed it at Nice. He was genuinely superb. After 12 games, I even got bored. I thought, look, I've seen it all. I know exactly what this guy is bringing back. That's all I wanted to see. And I just don't understand that a centre-back who's got all of these abilities, the height, enough pace, not rapid fast, but enough pace, the physical quality, the tackling quality, which is the most important thing, the agility for someone being 6'4 and built like he is. Why is he not even getting a chance? Leroy, Leroy, you've, you've, you've even missed out the Fofana factor. The Fofana factor, exactly, the Fofana factor. I, I watched them both at St. Um, Etienne, and I'm sorry, it was absolutely crystal clear, because I even highlighted Fofana as a good player, but it was crystal clear who the blue chip talent was. Absolutely. Mm. And Fofana's come in this league and batted it up. Yeah. So Fofana was his junior partner. Yeah, and I'm just so confused as to why this guy doesn't get a chance. So, it can only be personal to me. It can either be personal or Arteta's talent ID is in the mud and he's judging him literally from seven months off ball, a few training sessions and uh, a non-league um, a friendly friendly match. It doesn't make sense because if he goes and watches the games that we watched at Nice and thinks this kid can't come in and play for our team when we've got, uh, we've had howlers, howlers defending. We had Mustafi getting minutes ahead of this guy. Then I don't know, I don't know what he's seeing. I don't know what he's seeing. And to think that he now needs to go and spend 50 million on a 23-year-old centre-back doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. When you've got this guy, you've already paid the money for him, you've already invested. Even if they got went and got like a 28, 29-year-old centre-back as a steady Eddie to be there if Saliba's maybe not quite ready, if he feels he's not, even though he clearly is to me, um, that makes sense because you're giving him a development pathway. But to go and buy Ben White for 50 million, you're kind of secretly blocking off that development pathway. So it just it just stinks to me, and I really don't like it. And it's one of my 
big X's against McArthur. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything Leroy said. It's, it's hard to not project Saliba being a casualty of N, of a CB coming in, um, a right-sided centre-back coming in this summer, um, especially one that we depart significant funds to acquire. It, it, it's hard from my perspective, right, as a fan, I, I, I struggle to see how that's going to work and pan out if things remain. Um, I think we're stacked at centre-back, as things stand. I know we're losing David Luiz. Cool. Um, Leroy said it. I think a few other people have said it as well. If you're going to go in and bring in a more senior um, centre-back for experience, given that we're going to lose some experience as well with the departures, that makes sense to me. Um, uh, at the moment, we've got loads of centre-backs on the books. Um, we're not going to be playing a lot of football this this season. We've got our league and then it's dependent on our success in the Cups. Yeah, FA Cup, the Carling Cup starts, the Carl Cup starts early, um, but the FA Cup doesn't start until Jan. So really, you're looking at one game for most weeks, yeah, for the next, uh, you know, for the, for the first five months of the season or whatever. I can't see it ending well or looking good for Saliba. And that's the thing that's worrying me. Um, and, it, you know, I talk about this time and again, but to me, it just hints at um, poor management. And I'm not talking about, um, like, coach management from Arteta. It's like how the club are, like, what was the club's overarching strategy and consideration when they said, yeah, we've got this player, he's a top talent, and he looks like he could be the real deal. Because that, to me, was positive. It's like Arsenal are... Um, kind of going back to what they used to do and like not waiting until the player it has um you know proven himself elsewhere and cost too much you're buying on the promise that this player is going to come good and he looks so promising at his current age it went out they departed 30 mil for him why are you interested in signing another center back without having given this what like it, it feels like decisions have been made about this player without giving him a fair crack of the whip. And that's the bit that really doesn't make sense to me. But also, um, yeah, I feel I, I, I feel pissed off about it, especially having watched him play and saying, like, he's got the attributes that I feel we lack in the centre-backs that we have, in some of the centre-backs, that in a lot of the centre-backs that we have. What are we doing here? You know, that's why it's really hard for me to make sense of that. And yeah, we de sorry. Yeah, we definitely have jobs. We're just, you know, the the, the group was just sent into turmoil today with with, with these these um, official notifications coming in about them white and uh, and, and some other stuff. So yeah, like, you know, I, I can concentrate on my job for the rest of the day as a write-off from when I saw that forty million rejected, and it was rejected as well. And apparently, we're going for a second offer or second bid. I don't want to spend like I don't, I don't want to spend thirty on Ben White. Why are we considering forty plus? That uh, I don't know, man. These are things that worry me. I'll, I'll be honest. It's uh, I, th I think it's um, it's it's moves like this that just make you question, right? And 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 it makes you lose faith in management, right? Which I, I don't think many people do have, um, like massive amounts of faith. Um, in in these man in, in sort of you know setting out a vision for for the team um, in squad building um, in in planning for the future and planning even the squad for for now um, it's definitely it's definitely very questionable because 
you know, I look at it um, in one or two ways. Um, you look around in world football, I don't think there's many clubs that have, um, I would say, you know, sort of three first-choice centre-backs. You know, um, top clubs around the world, it's mainly two. Um, I can think of maybe Bayern Munich having potentially three or four top draw centre backs that they could they could count on, but even then, you know, you're probably pushing it if you're including you know, Javi Martinez, who's a DM maybe that they converted to a centre back and whatnot. So, you know, it's um, it's 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 very funny to me to think that we would spend, I guess, thirty million pound on Gabriel, fifty million pounds on Ben White, um, and then thirty million pounds on Saliba, and expect them to sort of you know, rotate between them. Um, it's mainly, you know, you pick your two and then someone else comes in and deputises um, on occasion when people need a rest. So maybe that's the plan. But when Zibar hits 21, 22, 23, he's going to be wanting to play. Um, and if he's not had many minutes, um, we're coming up to uh, the third year of his five-year contract. Is he going to sign a new deal if he sees these two guys? In front of him, unlikely. Will we get much money from selling him? Unlikely as well. So you know, it's a, it, it seems just a very strange move. And I feel like if you know Arsenal do have this money to spend, it probably means one of two things: um, one, that they do have their priorities all over the gaff. If you know funds are limited, and you're going to spend fifty racks on a on a position where you're pretty much stacked. Or number two, they have a lot of money to spend and they don't care. Um, and they're going to move like Chelsea or Man City or PSG and they're just going to splash cash um, wherever. Because if you said to me, you have £50 million to spend on your defence this, this summer, pick a right-back or pick um, a centre-back, and they're telling me Hakimi's going for €50 million, Euro, I know where I'm spending that money um, and it won't, be on, um, it won't be on Benny Blanco. You know what I mean? So... Um, yeah, we'll move on uh, from that from that position, and we'll I, I will reserve judgment when I see the team that lines up for um, the first game of the season, or when the, the 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 window ends. Because if they do go out and they get a right back in, they get two centre mids, they get an attacking midfielder, and they get a centre back that's Ben White and Saliba's there. You know, I won't complain, um, but I just think it's a. Uh, it's up in the air. It's definitely up in the air um, on that one. Um, another English uh, talented um, player. Um, I say that very, very loosely because I actually think the opposite of this guy. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, just been called up to the England squad um, to replace the injured uh, Dean Henderson. Um, I think he conceded the most goals in the Premier League uh, this season, just gone. Back-to-back -back relegations, um, as 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 the bottom at the bottom club in the league, um, and uh, Arsenal have shown serious interest, from what I've read um, to today, in signing him. So, Art, what what do you make of uh, of that link? Um, do you believe it? Number one, and then if if you do, uh, uh, regardless of if you do or not, do you think that's um, a move that Arsenal should be making. Yeah, uh, one thing I, I just want to say, like off the back of the previous discussion before we moved on to Ramsdale, is that 
it's been quite clear that Arsenal were very uh, to the point that plans, transfer plans wouldn't change whether or not they were in Europe or not. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind in terms of uh, financial talk around Arsenal's transfer window in terms of they, they didn't feel that not being in Europe would hinder them. Um, so that's something I'd just caveat it, that part of the discussion with. In terms of Ramsdale, um, similar to what's been out there already, uh, interest there. Uh, I don't think it's something that should be a priority for them. Um, I know goalkeeper, a backup keeper for Leno uh, would be needed ahead of next season, but uh, I don't think that's where um, the funds should <laughs> should go. Uh and like I said earlier, uh, there are much uh, areas that are m- much more needed <laughs> to sort out uh, before that. That is an option that is considered. I, I think um, I don't. I don't really f- uh, think that it's an option that should have been uh, of great consideration, especially this early um, in in the window. Mm. How, how what what's your thoughts on the player himself though? And um, that was a very um, that was a very like uh, p- political answer. There, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> He's a... Dan, Dan, that was a very question. I'm just say that. I'll say I'll say that guy is literally pony. Like he is terrible. <laughs> Oh, so you can see the difference when Sheffield United last year had what's his name in goal? The, the Man United back up. Henderson, semi decent keeper, was doing really well for them. Literally, Ramsdale was throwing them in all season. Literally, throwing them in. Ah, oh, have a goal, have another goal, have a brace. Why don't you? Like, it was, it was, it was awful. So, I don't understand why we seem to be going for statistically terrible keepers. So, we went for um, Matt Ryan. Oh, who was statistically yeah, horrible last season, and now we're going for Ramsdale. Is this another Inaki Kana um, recommendation? Because that guy's looking funny in the life. So you we- got to say this is off the back of signing Runison as well, and then the links to uh, the Brentford keeper as well, Raya. Raya. They all fans. They all fans. They call to me. Yeah, and 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 so the Ben White stuff. I could vouch for this. I was there. I know where I was this afternoon. Ben White stuff was one thing. The Ramsdale stuff is probably added on like another 300 messages yeah, by the time that you reached the It was it, it was a madness. And was am I imagining it? Am I because I've just processed so much information today? Was there talk? I don't know if we believe the talk, but I think I, I saw somewhere like 20 million pound feet potentially for Ramsdale. So I'm thinking that's an outlay of sixty million pounds, basically, on Ben White and Ramsdale. Yeah, unprecedented summer. Yeah, all right, wicked, <laughs> like wicked. You can't chat to me after that. Like I, I don't want to speak to no one. Like, what have you got um, to say to me? Nothing. So and uh, uh, oh, sorry, I'll allow you to exercise the the Fifth Amendment on 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 Ramsdale. Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> But someone who you have um, written a, a very good piece um, about 
uh, that we've been linked to um, and also rumoured to have put in an another bid that was rejected today um, is uh, Sambi Lokonga or Albert Sambi Lokonga. Um, it was a, a very good piece by you on, on, on um, The Athletic about how he might fit into um, Arsenal's midfield. So it would be, you know, if you, if you want to give um, the listeners a little preview of what you've put in that article, um, just let us know um, a bit about your your thoughts on the player and how he might fit in, and whether or not you think it's a it's a, it's a good move for us. Yeah, so I think even before writing that piece, uh, so last week when when the reports first came around and it seemed clear that Arsenal were interested in the player, I was trying to make again make sense of why they would be interested in him. I think when you look at the way the midfield was going, uh, the Xhaka uh, reports were coming out, although I think they were a bit accelerated at the time for, for the stage of the processes it was at at that time. Uh, and then those links came, so did the Ruben Neves links. And I, I was just trying to think, well, how, how would Arsenal's midfield actually shape up with these guys so with uh Lukonga stylistically he looking back at the Andalek season he's just had as well as a few of the uh games he played for Belgium's under 21s I just kind of wanted to look at um how he plays for them where he plays he played as a six and an eight for Andalect. uh everyone probably has seen comps of him spraying the ball out like spraying it to one side of the pitch, another side, and uh, twisting up players in the middle of the park. And I think um, that's all well and good. Uh, he is very much more proactive than the current Arsenal midfielders, um, probably bar Thomas Partey. Um, I'd say that he's a midfielder that can travel with the ball, which is very important. Uh, when you look at where this uh, midfield should be going, uh, I know um, it was touched on a bit earlier, but dynamism is of great importance now more than ever. And I think um, his uh, experience playing in uh, midfield two and the midfield three can be beneficial with that. Um, and then uh, again, I think uh, people, I know I think we've had this <laughs> discussion before, but people categorise certain types of midfielders uh into being that pnp mold uh but uh and uh those destroyers and stuff like that but he's not that he's very much more about what he does with the ball um and i think that's uh the piece today basically was looking at that and how um that would complement arsenal's current midfield and i think he can uh Although some people may see him as a, a Partey 2.0, I think they could play together. Um, and it, yeah, I've also another point I would say is that even though he, he approaching him is a step in the right direction, I do think uh, don't put too much expectations on him because he's coming from the Belgian league where you look at the, where you're seeing him have those great highlights. Look look at the amount of space he has. In those moments, he's not going to get that space nearly as much times in the Premier League. So, um, although it's encouraging step forward, uh, if that move does go ahead, um, 
don't 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 look at him as if he's the new Thomas Partey even just be glad that it's got through and just see what happens some fair points Leroy um Jav, how, how how does that transfer you know sort of sit with you does did you think he fits the mold of something that you'd like to see us do you know they're talking about the value the age of the player um the potential that he has um is is that is that a deal that you like the look of um so on the player i haven't seen anything other than compilations so i can't really form a valid opinion but the compilations look quite good albeit being in the belgian league so we're not sure how that translates to i don't know how that translates to 90 minute games or the premier league but from the profile of player he looks athletic he can pass technical ability um he's got lots of different attributes multi-layered footballer um age fantastic age price fantastic price um, was he is he captain of Anderlecht now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, there, there has to be some a lot of the time. I know these clubs make their best player captain, but usually at 21, if you're captain of that, there's some it says something about your temperament as well and your mentality. So, um, that uh, in terms of the profile, if I was looking at it on paper, that's a lovely signing. That's exactly the type of signing I think we should make. Don't get me wrong, I don't think a signing like that moves the needle, and that signing should be secondary to a premier signing. But as um, supplementary players in the squad and rotation players in the squad, um, I can't complain at that at all. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And I hope for the, hopefully the Arsenal scout department that all got sacked, or basically Eddie on his laptop, have done their research. And um, he, he turns out to be a, a good signing. Hmm. Yeah, I think they did say he's an Henri recommendation, right? So um, if I hear that Henri recommended someone, it, it sort of gives me a little bit of hope that the guy's going to be um, very techy because of the way that he um, he attacks his own players, you know, when they're not passing it one touch and all this stuff. So if Henri's rating, then um, then I'm on board. To be honest, okay. um, a great man once said, "Rule recognise rule." So if Henri says he's, if Henri says he's he's the, he's the business, I'm with it. Yeah, for real, for real. So um, last position um, uh, that I want to talk about. So. I guess in the past week or so, there was uh, some news about Emmy Buendia, Arsenal putting in a bid for him, but him choosing Aston Villa um, and ended up being um, an Aston Villa player. Um, and then Aston Villa bidding for um, our player, Emil Smith-Rowe, them getting apparently laughed out of the room. Um, and then... Uh, again, another link coming out today um, about James Madison being a potential Arsenal target and there being some appetite for Leicester to negotiate there because of uh, a, a breakdown in relationship, I guess, with um, Madison and Brennan Rogers. So I guess my question um, for you, Art, would be, you know, what is what seems to be the plan here um, in this number 10 uh, position? Because... For me, um, I think it's been widely reported, right, that Odegaard um, was the number one choice. He's obviously spent six months on loan here. Um, I think the manager, Eddie, really like him, etc. Leadership qualities, this, that and the other. But might be difficult to get him out of Madrid. Fine, fair enough. Um, but then if the club is bidding for the likes of Emi Buendia, um, then, then they're saying they have other targets, right? So... It's a bit confusing, I guess, from the outside looking in, 
to say that, you know, if you're trying to put money down for a player who isn't your first target, what happens if, if you know, Villa accepted that bid and we have him then? And then does that mean that we have get, had already given up getting going after our, you know, earlier targets? Or, you know, is it just a case of they didn't expect the Aston Villa um, movement and that sort of forced their hands? So I guess from the outside looking, it's quite a confusing situation. So um, what what do you think is the plan here for... Arsenal in number 10. Yeah, so uh, starting on that Buendia one, I think it's more of a case of the hand being forced by Aston Villa because Norwich, uh, his Norwich's sporting director, uh, Stuart Webb, has been very uh, clear on the way Norwich do business. Uh, he spoke to our, our Norwich uh, reporter in February. I can try and find the link to the piece Uh after this but uh basically it was that they know the value of their player and also the value of what they've done for that player so once they set a price they're not going to move from it people have to come correct <laughs> in how they move for their players basically and i think that's where aston villa have proven over the past couple of seasons not just this summer that they're willing to pay up for 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 whichever player they want and they're moving so quickly then forced Arsenal to try and counteract that. But Aston Villa were out the gates way before Arsenal. And that's where you see uh, it. Although it was made out to be probably more than what it was, uh, Aston Villa just smash Arsenal out the gates with Buendia. Then um, in terms of Odegaard, that's obviously much more difficult with uh, Zidane leaving Real Madrid. And uh, I think that with with uh, Smith Rowe as well, I don't see him. <laughs> I don't see Arsenal <laughs> letting that happen. Letting Smith Rowe go to to Aston Villa. Uh, obviously, uh, it's been reported before ha- how um, they've been trying to get that contract done, um, but that still has some way to go before it is uh, near being done. I think, um, and then uh, with him as well it's important to not just rely on a, tw- he's going to be 21 next month. So uh, a 21 year old for the entire season. Although like, I think you guys know, I'm a really big fan of his, uh, but uh, considering how uh, injury prone is probably the wrong word, but um, we'll go with that. Uh, how that's played up over the past couple of years, I, I, I would like to see him, some of that pressure offset from him the next season. And that's also uh, not just in a rotation sense, but having a different creative midfielder around him while on the pitch as well. Um, That's where Arsenal have looked at their best uh, over the years at the Emirates anyway. Um, When, when those creative midfielders are popping the ball around, around uh, in and around each other. And I think that's why, um, that creative number 10 we can say but just a creative midfielder is needed as well uh in terms of james madison i can't add to that properly because i <laughs> i don't know and i don't want to lie to you guys um so but if it speaking just from a personal point of view when you look at what the arsenal midfield needs it needs goals and madison fits that uh remit so i, I would understand why they would go for that but in terms of uh 
talking about those links i i'm not really involved in that chat so so there's not much else i can add to that fair fair play fair play um and i guess shabs um what do you make of that whole you know number 10 situation um and and who would you you know prefer the club to, to bring in in that position if any what do I make of the situation in terms of uh, what where, where we currently are, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where we currently are, yeah. I just honestly, I I think it's a disgrace. I think um, you know, how does a club decide with the size and the reputation of Arsenal Football Club kind of get to a place where you know we're we're, we're scrambling to find a creative player? You know, um, uh, the, the 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 key creative output really for the side. Um, we just we, we we just don't have one. And I'm talking about times where we had an abundance and we'd filled creative players out of their positions. We'd filled like Santi Carzula on the left hand side, basically, just to cram in another, um, you know, creator or Riziki would play on the right or the left or whatever. And obviously, we're we're we're, we're so far away from that, but. Just the the, the the Ozil situation, I think from the point of Ozil recruitment, um, you know, to kind of where we are now, you could just see like the club, there's been just like a huge void. And, you know, we um, didn't plan for life with Ozil. We didn't plan appropriately for life without Ozil. Um, I just think the early part situation, it's all well and good saying, yep, this is a player who we're interested in and we'd like to bring in. Um, I just want Arsenal to kind of put their money where their mouth is, test the resolve a little bit with Real Madrid, um, if they're serious about Odegaard. Um, and if there's no possibility of striking that deal, just move on and move on quickly. But, you know, I think I want someone someone in. Um, I'm not going to lie, for me, the 10 has to be someone that um, I can get behind and be a bit excited about. Um, I could do that a little bit with Odegaard. Um but I don't, he, his loan spell didn't exactly set the world alight for me. Um, there were lots of things that I liked about him and I think he's a quality player and I think, yeah, you know, I, I absolutely would want him. Um, but yeah, if we're not going to get him, I do want someone that I could be excited about. James Madison doesn't particularly thrill me, um, you know, and then there's a, there's a different option as to, Maybe it's not like a, a a bona fide ten that we look for, but we look for a, a player who can function as an eight or who can function out wide as well, but definitely create goals um, as well. And I'm thinking about uh, a player like our. I still think you know he could come in and offer us loads, um, yeah, and potentially from that number ten position. But I don't see that as his natural position. But um, I'd I'd be quite happy with him. Similarly, um, you know, I really like Brandt. Um, you know, I think these are solutions and they're attainable players. I think Brandt could, um, you know, do a bit of both. I think he could chip in amongst the goals. He scored some really good goals, you know, that we've seen in in, in important games for Dortmund. He's, you know, fallen out of favour at Dortmund. I think he's there in the market for something like 20 million. Um, I think he can fulfil a number of different roles in the side. He can play out wide, he can play in the centre of the park. Um, you know, I think that's an easy acquisition. So I, w- I would, I would, I would take that type of player, and they're players I, I could really get behind. I would take that. Obviously, I'd still want like you know the other type of profile that we discussed 
in midfield, the Basuma, the Lokonga. But yeah, a player like Brandt, a player like Awa um, is also an option for me that I could get behind. And I prefer that over the, the likes of a Madison, a goal scorer, but not someone who sets the world alight in terms of his creativity for me. Mm. Mm. Fair, fair play, fair play. Um, so, moving on to the very last section um, of uh, this episode, um, fixtures, right? Fixtures came out um, today. Um, I'm just going to share uh, my screen with you guys. I've, I've just been uh, vigorously closing some tabs, you know, just uh, uh, you know, just making sure. Um, that ain't got anything uh, too uh, incriminating on there, but um, it's your Pepe stocks, isn't it? Watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the charts go up and down, man. <laughs> but wait, and that news just dropped. So Madison sixty mil. Who, who's, who's taking him at sixty mil? Dan, are you taking him at sixty uh, mil? I think that's too much. <laughs> That damn wiped his forehead before he answered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm not taking him at sixty million. Nah, nah I, I think it's too much as well. I think it's too much. Um, yeah. The thing is, I, I, I really believe in Emil Sofro. You know, I know he's injury prone, but I really believe in him. I think he's he's definitely got the ability to be as good as these guys, in my opinion. Um, I, I think twenty five mil was cheeky, you know. Like, I wouldn't have just laughed at them. I'd have got him in a headlock. But like, <laughs> uh, that, that, I think that's a real cheeky bid for him. I think I've got, I've got a lot of faith in him. So I, I feel that we need someone that's going to dovetail quite nicely with him rather than just sort of bench him. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. Right. So you guys can see the fixtures there, right? Yep. Right. Cool. So Lord, Lord, I have mercy. In August, we're going to be like forty. Yeah, so opening opening uh, with Brentford away, um, that might be a nice a nice away trip. Um, newly promoted, um, they got some very good players. You know, ex Arsenal Justice Silva up in place for Brentford as well, um, and then obviously Ivan Tony's had a a, a mad season um, in the Championship. But then in our next five games, we've got Chelsea at home, Man City away. And then Tottenham at home as well, so that's a very very tough start um, for the first first six games, um, I think. But then after that, I think it sort of eases up. But how many points do you reckon we should be aiming for? Obviously, this is completely blank. We don't know what what other people's squads are going to be like. We don't know what our squad's going to be like. But Chelsea home, Tottenham at home, Man City away, and then Norwich, Brentford, Burnley. You know, three tough games, three potentially easier games. Um, I would say it's a reasonable start. Quite difficult games, but, you know, there's potential to get some points on the board there. So how many points do you think we should be aiming for? Um, ha, it's like a little thing when I click off that click off that tab. But how many points should we be aiming for? Um, in the first six? Yeah, in the first six. Ten. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Between Same. ten and twelve, I think twelve is optimistic. It is optimistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I always, I always want us to beat Tottenham at home. I think that, that's that that's team. what pushed it to twelve for me. Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think ten to twelve is fair. 
um, anything above that would be a big bonus, I think. You know, um, we've got a decent. Actually, it's not decent. Let me not lie. Um, I think Chelsea <laughs> have taken the most the most points off us at the Emirates more than any other team. Um, so it's not decent. But I think in recent times, um, our record against Chelsea at home hasn't been too bad. Um, obviously, I think we got a jammy win. Um, was it jammy? No, 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 no. This that was a good win. I think the Stamford Bridge run was jammy. Um, but we got a good win against them last last season against Frank Lampard, obviously. So. Um, I think Tuchel will be out for revenge for that Stamford Bridge loss, um, where I think they basically dominated all of the ball. Um, so twelve to fifteen um, would twelve. I think twelve points max is what I'm going to say, and then anything above would be would be big. I think it's about time that we actually got some points off Man City, though. Um, I think we've we've basically lost to them eight times in a row in the league. Um, which is pretty much unheard of for Arsenal, so for any team. So um, I think it's about time we're, we're actually due some points um, against Man City. So are there any sort of other periods here that are screaming out to you that you think could be quite difficult? Uh, oh, sorry, you go. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say not not. I was going to say the opposite, not difficult. I think I'll run in. I'm looking at March 19th until May the 22nd, and I think that's all right. As a run, mm. actually, I think they're potentially a lot of part. The, the the toughest game there, and we're talking about maybe ten fixtures, is the Man United game, um, and it will be at home. Um, and and that's me saying that now, based on what I know about the, the, the these squads currently. I think obviously Aston Villa, they spun us. They done a double over us last season. I could eat, I could eat my words, man. And you know they're recruiting, but but Wendy could come and dunk on us. And we could eat up a lot of bowels. I don't know, but I'm looking at it just on paper right now. I'm thinking it doesn't worry me as a as a as a, as a way to close out the season with any of those games, really. Um, mm. yeah. But I know that's slightly different to what you asked about difficulty, but that stands out to me as a as quite a push team. Yeah. and I think especially playing sort of one game a week, mm. you know, um, I'm quite liking the fact that there aren't many sort of bunched up big games on paper together. Mm. I think, you know, looking at it, New Year's Day, um, Man City, there's probably an FA Cup game in between um, and then Tottenham might be a tough one. Um, and then February uh, 12th to the 26th, we've got Chelsea, Brentford, Liverpool um, as well. But it seems that, you know, the big games are spaced out quite a bit, which I don't think we, we, we tend to have this year. Um, this season just gone. So, you know, hopefully um, we're able to capitalise on the one game a week and, and, and really put some points on the board. But um, anything you guys wanted to add on the on the fixtures? Uh, we got to remember AFCON in January. Um, oh, yeah. uh, I think so probably Tottenham game and I think there's Burnley after that as well. So that yeah. takes Thomas Partey, Nicola Pepe, Abamyang. That's a big bunch of players oh, out for that don't North London. Don't forget on any. Don't forget on any. Oh no, I can't can't forget on any man. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, kind of similar to Shabs's point, but earlier in the season. Um November, December time, always tri- well traditionally a terrible time <laughs> for Arsenal. 
Um, mm. Now there's no Europe in that period, and it's uh, reasonable enough running at that point. Hopefully, um, that could be a place where points are picked up quite quickly rather than lost <laughs> like last season. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So um, I'm going to leave it there, um, guys. Art, thank you very much again for, for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, thank you, uh, Leroy and Shabs, as well. Yo, can, uh, sorry, Dan, can I quickly shout out Harold as well, man? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Harold. Yeah, man. Yeah, Harold, I just wanted to pick you up, man. We, we, we all got your message. Just thanks for being a committed listener. We respect you, you know. Um, yeah, man, we appreciate you, pal. Definitely. Yeah, man. Um, it's always it's always nice to get um, messages of praise um, in, in in the DMs and that. So um, you know, it's appreciated uh, and you know, motivational for us to keep going to keep putting out that, that content. So um, yes, as I mentioned before, Art uh, put a piece out today on. Um, uh, Albert Sambi Lokonga, which I thought was a very good piece. Um, so if you guys are interested, make sure you go um, plug into that. Um, the Tachigunas will be back um, tomorrow uh, with uh, a patron piece on Lokonga as well, doing a scouting piece uh, for him. So uh, make sure you sign up to the patron if you want to get um, that that juicy, juicy um, content. And the way the links are coming thick and fast, I'm pretty sure we're going to be doing a lot more of those um, scouting pieces in the the coming weeks. Um, as I mentioned before as well, make sure you j- jump in on the um, Touchline Fracas uh, fan slide, subscribe to the YouTube, follow um, all the Touchline media accounts, Touchy Gooners especially, um, and we will catch you on the flip side um, for the next episode. Thanks, guys. Network.